is up guys welcome back to tag team the pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo my name is riley holbert joined as always by my good friend and father to a beautiful young baby girl mr jw crewall jw how's it going today it's going really well riley how are you i am doing splendiferous my man i'm taking off work on friday so this is like my you know, it's like my Thursday evening prepping for Friday type vibe, you know? Seriously, yeah. Um, so I'm feeling good, man. That's feeling awesome. Good. Wow. I am very jealous. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be spending that Friday driving to beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. I, hey, listen, for for as much hate as some Midwestern cities get, I think Indianapolis is probably, you know, a top... I would say a top 20 Midwestern city. <laughs> How many Midwestern Easily. cities are there? <laughs> are there even 20? It's a top 20 Midwestern city of at least 150,000 inhabitants. <laughs> for sure, man. Definitely makes the top 20 list for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But no, actually, I, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm excited for, for the weekend. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm feeling good lately. I've been kind of feel like I'm hitting my stride again with some of my projects wrapped up at work. So I get to focus mm-hmm. in on stuff that's, you know, actually making me driven and passionate and uh, things are going well. Things are going well. That's great, dude. Yeah, that's really good. I'm very nervous about the tournament. Yeah. I, I don't know how, how many points do you need, Riley? You're like 150 away or something. I am 209. 209. That okay. nine will be the death of me. <laughs> I, yeah okay so i am 46 yeah away and i'm just like dreading you know making day two but not making i don't know whatever it is top 32 i think is what i need no and you don't like, need top 64 which oh granted, i only need top granted that for f- you can 50 see, points yeah okay. for 50 points but okay i will say at tournaments this big the day two is not congruent with top 64 (laughs) absolutely right it's like definitely a grind right you get to the day two and you're like oh i'm feeling really good about it but there's over a thousand people signed up probably will hit around you know 1100 you know you figure there will be some people that signed up that won't make it or whatever but uh, figure about 1100 maybe 1200 it's gonna be a huge tournament it's gonna be absolutely gigantic it is by signups it is currently the biggest regional of all time which is insane to me in In COVID, in the post pandemic middle of the pandemic kind of world yeah um, you know that we're seeing such huge enthusiasm for the trading card game and uh you know it's always been like those midwestern events are always typically very large there's just a lot of a lot of tabletop gaming happens in the midwest <laughs> sure well and it's centralized and right it's like, so it's, it's a little very easier central, to get so to a lot of people and... can drive to it mm-hmm. um as opposed to you know a place like salt lake where you pretty much have to fly if you're not already on the west coast uh, and there's just more population you know generally than west coast i mean east coast obviously has a lot of people but uh you know than the, than the west coast you know it's sure. just more spread out out there yeah yeah so there's gonna be a lot of people it's gonna be very exciting and I know that you and I both are both uh, feeling anxious yet excited to to play Pokemon trading cards in the states. What is your confidence level, Riley, confidence going level? into this? Yeah, going into this tournament, just just kind of a you know a number one through ten. What's your confidence level? 
Yeah, good question. I'm feeling like like a seven. I don't know. So wow, I it's probably higher than you were guessing. That but is. <laughs> I would say it's a little bit. I don't know. It's not like a seven that'll win the tournament, though. It's like seven that'll end up well. But I think it's like I feel really confident in my in-game gameplay right now. Mm, sure, I've been playing so much unbelievable about a Pokemon in the last month. <laughs> Well, tell them about your weekend plan. Um, yeah, so your your training regimen. My training regimen. <laughs> so last weekend, I was chatting with with the guys, the the boys, and you know we're trying to prep for indie, obviously. Um, so I put out there like, hey, I want to test a lot. We had tested like basically every day over the last week and, and this week, um, and like you know what, I'm gonna be a grinder. I'm gonna take. A deck. I'm gonna take a couple of decks, and I'm gonna play 30 hours of Pokemon <laughs> this weekend for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, I actually did do that, and it was kind of insane. <laughs> and it made me feel like physically ill by the end of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I played a crap ton on Friday when I got home from work, and then I woke up on Saturday. I worked mm-hmm. out in the morning, and then played mm-hmm. Pokemon literally the entire day. <laughs> and then- then on Sunday, I played Pokemon literally the entire day. That um, I mean, ah, to be yeah. young again, to be a young bachelor again. Yeah, man, I'm like what two years younger. Than you. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's that tracks. Um, yeah, a lot of Pokemon, and I already felt pretty sharp on my gameplay heading into that. Yeah, I, I just have so many reps with like all these different decks now. I feel like I see the lines <sighs> pretty well now. Um, yeah. but. What I, where I was actually going with this, I feel really good about my in-game ability, but I think a lot of this tournament, and a lot of any Pokemon tournament, but I think this tournament in particular, is going to come down to like your final choice as far as like what you bring. Right. These matchups go crazy, man. <laughs> they really do. Uh, and you know, one thing I, I don't necessarily regret playing Mew for EUIC, but I will say Mew was a challenging choice because... Uh, There's so much Arceus Dark, and that matchup was just so close um, in ways that were sometimes out of your control as a Mew mm-hmm. player. You had a lot mm-hmm. of agency over certain things, but you know if you didn't draw your tablet or you whipped the boss KO in a certain turn or whatever, you kind of would just lose the Arceus, especially if you went second. Right. Uh, so that I didn't really like that about the Mew deck was I felt like I had so many decisions I was making over the course of the turn. It was really satisfying. I felt good about the way I was playing it. But it it just took like one whiff a game versus Arceus to lose to it. Right. And there's so much Arceus in the field that it just made the record very volatile. And you saw that reflect for Andrew and Caleb and myself when we went to when we went to Europe. Right. So I have that is kind of like weighing me down right now is kind of the you know, what do I bring and how do I make sure that I have the least amount of volatility possible? <laughs> Right. That's definitely a thing where it's like you're you're playing the field for sure, obviously with any event that you go to, but in event in an event this big, I mean, you're really just looking for um, you know, general percentages. I feel like anytime I go to a tournament and I'm like, "Oh, I hope I don't see a lot of this matchup or I hope I do see a lot of this matchup and I make a deck choice based on that." I I get bodied by the matchups where <laughs> I just like never see that. You know, yeah. or or um, or I always see it, you know, obviously, depending on which which way it goes. But um, it's just, you know, kind of playing the field is really important as opposed to like 
oh this you know one matchup in particular is is that's what i hope to hit all yeah. day like oh, that's not sure. going to make a good tournament run no you can't be too laser focused unless it's like a really overwhelmingly centralized meta game and we are certainly not in that right now um even the most popular decks you know share that space with other decks <laughs> right and i we've talked about this before i think it's really difficult to find like one strategy that's consistently good against all of the top decks right now because they're just so varied in the way that they play the game that's absolutely true i'd like to flip that question there like what is your confidence level at right now i'm at like a i'm at like a five yeah i would say i was, I'm at like I, was a five. I was guessing a four based on our pre-podcast talk i almost said four and <laughs> i was like i'm a little more confident than a four <laughs> okay yes because um, you're giving off like four vibes for sure yeah, yeah, very, very downtrodden. Yeah, um, you know, five. I, I could go either way. I, I can swing either way. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I, I don't feel particularly strong about my in-game play. Um, you know, if if I had to choose a deck right now for the tournament, I would probably go with some variant of Urshifu. But the problem with that is that there are just so many nuances to so many different matchups that. I know a few of the core matchups, but I'd be worried about kind of the fringe matchups or anything rogue that I might encounter that, you know, has a strategy that I'm not, you know, particularly familiar with. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I just don't feel like my in-game play is like particularly strong or that it could be strong enough with Urshifu through nine rounds of Swiss to like <laughs> right. get there when at the end of the day, you know, um, I would still probably take it just because that's kind of, you know, my kind of deck that can, you know, have answers to everything, but there's such like razor thin answers. And if you whiff a piece at any point, it's kind of hard right, to, yeah. you know, recapture the momentum or, um, you know, making sure that you're making the right decisions off of the Intellions every single turn that you have it is, you know, can be really daunting at times. And I find myself in certain matchups, just like scratching my head at what to do at, at points. So. So what is it going to take for you to, to feel more confident? Like what is your road to, to recovery there? I think it's just getting a few sets, like confidence sets in, yeah. um, because at this point it's probably a little bit too late for me to like grind the games. You know, I'm not going to be doing 30 hours between now and Saturday. <laughs> that would be um, impressive if you did. That would be really impressive, but it's just like, you know, a couple of matchups, maybe, you know, get the boys around, you know, okay, Hey, let's walk it through and just get a couple of, um, you know, maybe, maybe 50 fifties and we'll win a couple 50 fifties and, and just kind of, um, you know, have, have that, I guess that mental confidence, like, Oh yeah, I can, I can do this. Like I, I remember how to play the game and just like making <laughs> solid yeah. decisions, um, in, in those, uh, in those situations. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Just getting maybe less quantity of time, but very focused time. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I think that's just as, if not more valuable, uh, as like really thinking critically about all the actions that you're taking and having someone to bounce that off of. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we talked many times in the cast about how important, like, valuable testing is. And, you know, you're kind of allying that right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk then about, you know, this event that's coming up. And, of course, there are multitude events internationally that will be going on in this exact standard format. Uh, we'll be focusing on the Indianapolis Regional Championship, but certainly mm -hmm. 
I think many of these, you know, predictions and insights will apply to likely all of the events that are happening across the world this weekend. Sure. Uh, but let's start with Indy. So Indy, we referenced before, is going to be huge. Got around 1,100 people that are registered for TCG Masters. That's insane. You know, that's how you hit like 70, 80 person day two <laughs> at these events. Yes. Yes. Um, which brings up a whole other can of worms of like, should you ID? Should you just play? <laughs> oh, for sure. Because uh, I mean, like, if you're going to win this tournament, there's like pretty much zero chance that if you go 6 2 1, right. that you you're, have to go like 6 0. You're winning. What, 6 0 day two? that yeah you'd have to go 6-0 day two which is just like just on the numbers and like the way the the um matchups are right now um it's you know, it, very it, challenging pretty pretty difficult yeah especially um, if you were already squeaking in at 6-2-1 what are the odds you go 6-0 from there right yeah so it's tough so it's like you know if you're looking for points which is like i'm you know i'm in that situation right it's like i'm looking for points so would i take that id if i'm 6-2 in the last round the answer is probably honestly, you know, yeah. cause I don't have too many chances, right? We're not doing any locals, uh, that we know of for the, for the foreseeable future. So I got this tournament potentially Milwaukee and then the national tournament here in Columbus. And that's about it. So, you know, for a guy like me, am I looking to take that idea in the last round? If I'm six and two, yeah, probably for a guy that's has zero Z CP. It's their first year back or you know they, they didn't play in 2019 or, or it's their first year playing competitively at all should they take the id you know absolutely not i would say if you want to win the tournament you're you know at least seven and two heading into day two if not you know seven one one or eight and one i mean you need those points if you're going to make a top eight run at the end of it all and it also depends like how many points you need because if you only need a handful like if you play at six and two and lose to go six and three you'll still get probably a sizable chunk of cp mm -hmm. know, regional cp from that maybe not yep. as much as you may have wanted but cp is cp i i definitely am like a little crushed in the soul because i'm that guy that you're describing where i like didn't really play in regionals in 2019 i didn't yeah. go to any of them and i i went to like collinsville and that was basically it and now i'm trying to pick up the pieces <laughs> Right. I have some local finishes because I went to like a bunch of, of locals like right at the start of the new year um, mm -hmm. in 2020 and uh, now I'm really scrambling. Yeah, I hear that you. feels good. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, I'd also preface like CP isn't the end all be all. You know, have fun. Enjoy the experience. Win some games. Lose some games. You know, go there because you have a love of the game, not just because the CP is your end goal. I don't right. think your world's invite in this season in particular should be like your make or break as a player. This season was kind of, it felt, I don't want to say written off, but it feels like they're kind of just trying to close out what was open <laughs> and yes. then start fresh. It feels like the Jira ticket's been on the board a little too long <laughs> and they're just looking for any criteria to kind of finish it up, complete it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and move on exactly exactly that um so let's talk then about kind of the metagame and what these regionals this weekend are going to be looking like so we're going to go through some of the most popular decks in the metagame we'll talk some considerations for each of those what we might play some differences and builds that people have been trying and we'll go in kind of a 
ascending order. So starting with the least popular of the top five decks and rising to the most popular. But first, why don't we go through some honorable mentions? Yeah, absolutely. I have been trying Suicune a lot this week as something that just feels like it's on the fringe of being particularly good. Um, you're taking, you know, a pretty decent matchup into Urshifu from from my experience, you know, just because they want to wide, wide scale their bench. Uh, and then you're you're taking, you know, an, an okay matchup into Mew. Um, although they can get going very, very fast, which is pretty scary. Um, and then you're just a, a basic energy deck. So you're going to beat, you know, Whimsicott. Um, Arceus is going to be a challenge, but, you know, you're, you're always in any game and, and you can always hit those, you know, kind of three, three, 10, three, 20 numbers with your, um, you know, with your, with your, with your Ludicolo. So, <laughs> So I was like, with your lombre, you're not hitting 310 or 320 with your lombre. That's but for sure. Not with a dang lombre. What the <laughs> heck, man? That's insane. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I I actually think Suicune is if Suicune has a tournament where it's well poised. Besides Salt Lake, it's probably <laughs> this one. Um, you know, you have to have a you have to be careful about Avery. Either have an answer to it or play very tiptoey around it. But hmm. Suicune seems like it's in a good place right now. Another deck that I think is really interesting at the moment is Sylveon. Sylveon it occupies that niche of a big VMAX Pokemon that KOs Urshifu in one hit, but is not weak to dark. <laughs> right, right. And it's really the only viable Pokemon that has that exact niche. Uh, Winscott is obviously the other non-dark weak psychic attacker in the format, but it actually doesn't one-shot Urshifu aside from its V-Star power or with a choice belt, uh, both of which can be challenging to to pull off successfully in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not challenging is the right word, but they're, they're a tall order to consistently get going at the right times, so to speak. Sure. Um, so Sylveon is like, yeah, I'm just going to go through the Urshifus. I do pretty okay damage math against a lot of other decks like the arc the baby arceus before it evolves into a v-star gets slain by a sylveon um and it can tech a lot of interesting stuff you can play it either as like a rapid strike toolbox deck like the one that we saw in germany or you can play it as more of like an arceus toolbox deck focused on like double turbos so sylveon's really cool i i don't think it I think it struggles with consistency at times, and mm-hmm. that's been the most consistent thing about the deck <laughs> to when I've tested it, is it struggles to maintain consistency. But if you can find a list that's really consistent, I think it's a good answer to Urshifu, and if Urshifu is certainly on the rise in the metagame. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. That's a great... It's a great honorable mention, Riley. I know we had been trying some Sylveon builds earlier last week. Ended up moving away from them just because we weren't particularly happy with the Mew matchup, right? There's no one prize dark Pokemon that you can play for Mew. Yeah. Um, you're relying on these two prizers or three prizers, namely the Crobat VMAX 
or sorry about that, uh, <laughs> namely the Crowback VMAX or the um, the Moltres Galarian Moltres V. And, you know, Mew can just straight up trade with that. Yeah. And so, so um, you know, it can get tough, right? Obviously, you could play Path of the Peak if you wanted to, you know, maybe try to stick him with the Path of the Peak Marnie play. But ultimately, I wasn't particularly impressed with the Mew matchup. And um, that's kind of why I moved off of the deck. Yeah, the deck also has, like, a vulnerability to Path itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, a general philosophy that I kind of have in this format is you don't want to share a weak point with Mew, <laughs> so to speak. Like, mm-hmm. if your deck is weak, is very vulnerable to Path, like Sylveon is, that's a bad thing, because a lot of decks will be playing Path as, like, the primary Mew answer. And you get um, caught in the crosshairs. Same thing with, like, Shadow Rider and being weak to Darth, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's unfortunate for Shadow Rider. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's those are my gripes to Sylveon, but I, I think if you can if you can snuff out the build that you know kind of makes it a little more reliable and consistent, it's a really awesome Pokemon. Yeah, that's great. Any other honorable mentions? Something of like Duraludon as a potential honorable mention. I think we can pretty much write off a single strike as a deck, like Gengar yeah, and and Urshifu. Those are just not. They're not it, unfortunately. I think like one of the things that's kind of been, you know, we talk about getting caught in the crosshairs. One of the things for single strike decks, uh, particularly the ones that run um, Houndoom, is that there's just Avery being played in a few (laughs) of these top decks, right? Urshfu, Arceus can play an Avery. You know, Whimscott plays Avery. Um, That's just really harmful for the single strike deck. So can probably write that one off. I wouldn't be too worried about that. But uh, Duraludon, you know, is a, is a deck that you pioneered, Riley, <laughs> and it is viable. I would not be shocked to see, um, you know, at least one or two, if not more, Arceus Duraludon players in day two. Um, any any thoughts coming from kind of like the the father of Duraludon? Yeah, I think I think Duraludon is probably in the best metagame position it's been since the start of the format. Because uh, there's a lot of decks that are utilizing special energy. It hits like okay math against a variety of decks. Uh, Duraludon's biggest problem is, well, it has two, I would say. First, like compared to some other Arceus decks, it's just not as consistent and it doesn't have that healing factor. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it can kind of lose the race against other Arceus decks in time. Um, and then the, the other problem is because it sort of lacks that consistency decks can kind of sneak around it, right? Like the Urshifu deck can find key times to like punch you in the face and then Cheryl and then use the fighting energy to punch you in the face again and then use the Moltres V to punch you in the face. And, you know, that just gets overwhelming. And a lot of matchups have little tricks like that that they've learned, especially over the course of the format that people weren't as privy to when I piloted Duraldon. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's a good deck. I would not be surprised to see a Duraludon in like day two or in day two contention, but it's not something I would feel comfortable taking because it's a deck that doesn't have enough draw to play tricks, really. Sure. You can't really get super tricky. You can try and fit a couple hyper potions, but um, you know the odds of you hitting those at the right turns and, and with also, enough energy attached, with enough energy and all that kind of, it's just, it's not super high. Um, 
and that's really the best trick Duraldon has, to be honest. It would be to like hyper potion it when people try and multi hit KO it. Sure. So, not super hot on Duraldon, but I think I think it's a worthy honorable mention because, I mean, when you when you play the TCGO ladder, you know what we're talking about. Like Duraldon, be be out there. <laughs> yeah, it, it it does, and and it's like you know you're taking. 50-50s, I think, generally. Um, you maybe have, like, a pretty solid matchup against Urshifu, um, but it's really one of those decks, I feel like, um, if you're a Dura Ludon player, you've probably been playing it for a while, right? Yeah. So you're probably very familiar with its matchups and how to play each matchup and uh, what to do in certain situations, and you're probably able to kind of understand what matchups will be good and what you maybe can kind of tech into the deck to to perform well with it. So, you know, if you're out there and you're saying, hey, I'm a Dura Ludon player, I'm taking that to Indy, like, we're not saying it's necessarily bad, um, you know. Just again, not in our top five, and uh, I think we should we should get down with it. What do you think, Riley? Let's freaking do it, man! So let's, let's freaking do it. Start with number five, and that's going to be Rapid Strike Malamar. Malamar used to occupy the top three on these lists, so uh, disappointing to see it fall down to number five. But I think that's really just due to the hostility that the metagame has presented to it. You saw a lot of these Urshifu builds with the Yoga Loop package doing well. We saw a lot of Avery getting played in Europe. And so Malamar has had a little bit of a struggle achieving the same level of greatness that it saw back in Liverpool. That said, it's still a very powerful deck. It's one of the few decks that has like consistent one-shot potential on the mm-hmm. format. And... It is just a it's a reliable one prize force in that way. Uh, if you can find ways to consistently play around Avery, that Malmar is an excellent pick heading into the Indianapolis Regional Championship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about um, you know the ultimate glass cannon deck. I think you're looking at Malamar. Uh, we've been saying that for a long time, but just to reiterate, you're taking decent matchups all the way on up. I would argue that Mew is not particularly strong of a matchup um some some people maybe think the opposite i would say <laughs> after after testing that matchup a bit um you know Mew can obviously uh lay the orcorio down that makes it a lot harder for the uh for the malamar deck to to take those one hit ko's they can uh attack with a couple of one prizers um it just you know it, it gets a little hairy i wouldn't necessarily say that so you know it in my opinion favorable for malamar but um looking at the rest of of the top decks like you're talking about urshifu um you know you're hitting for weakness and you're a one prizer so if they go up with urshifu you're taking that knockout Uh, if they try to do some like galarian moltres play like you're just going to outlast them with the one prizers that you have you think about arceus also you know if you can get those big one hit ko's which is granted pretty difficult if they can attach a big charm but if you can get those one hit ko's then you're you know, you're doing fine, you know, especially like I think about that matchup. If you can get that first big knockout, like right. the the first one or two attacks that they get up their big Arceus, then you're totally fine. You're cruising because you take out their first main attacker. Uh, they probably only play one big charm and they're looking to get that on the first, um, you know, th- their first attacker. And so if you can knock that out, then it'll be pretty smooth from there because they're not able to share and they're not able to reuse that big charm uh, and you can kind of mow through their field so for the most part malamar that glass cannon like we talked about but um certainly a deck to watch out for here in indianapolis yeah we have seen people continue to innovate on the malamar concept 
just this week in Late Night 37, we saw Kaya from Norway bringing an interesting Malamar build, played Fog Crystal at three count, played some great balls, played escape, multiple escape ropes and a quick ball, Manaphy, Oranguru, uh, just so much stuff going on here. And I think that actually has some of the answers to some of the tricks that people are playing, such as relying on you whiffing knockouts. The Oranguru can help you clean some of that up more consistently. Or, you know, sticking up one prizes with Mew, you have multiple escape rope now to continue to push them out of the way or push the big Mew VMAX out of the way that you can't KO in favor of a one prize or Genesec that you can. Um, so I think that's a really cool build of Malamar. I would actually use that as a starting point if you're interested mm-hmm. in looking at Malamar for Indy. Yeah, I think that's a great point, right? Um, kind of realizing uh, one thing that sticks out to me is like, oh, that's really neat and uh, probably just the the way to go from here on out. Uh, the five energy seems completely fine to me um, <laughs> because you know if you, if you play the ordinary rod, which you kind of have to in the Malamar deck for the mirror, um, but if you play the Malamar uh, ordinary rod, then um, you can get back those psychic energy. So you can have up to seven energy. Um, and since you're just attaching them and they're going to be played every turn and you're not necessarily looking for the spiral energy to shuffle back into the deck with Malamar's attack, you know, there's no real reason to play more than two or three spiral energy because you'd rather just devote those spaces to other consistency cards in your deck. But I think, yeah, like you said, that the list that won the tournament this week, the late night tournament with 300 players, really interesting, brings a lot of new things to the Malamar deck. And uh, would certainly be one that I would look at heading into the weekend's tournaments. But let's take a look at our number four, JW. Yeah, absolutely. Number four, the number four best deck, as posited by the tag team Pokemon podcast duo, oh, is we're ranking by popularity. To be fair, well, okay, yeah, fair. Although th- uh, they, you could argue there's a strong correlation. <laughs> 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 Number four is Whimsicott. Whimsicott is a deck that I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Riley. It feels like content creators are kind of like stepping, like tiptoeing around Whimsicott, right? Because if if everyone hypes it up, like Whimsicott is the kind of like polarizing counter deck that just makes tournaments unbearable. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It it's it reminds me of there was a Giratina a number of years ago that had roughly the same attack wheel. where it did yeah chaos wheel where you couldn't attach special energy you couldn't attach tools and I think it also did stadiums which Wimscott doesn't do but the the same idea applied where it's just this you know beefy counter deck that really made things hard <laughs> on a lot of the top decks it wasn't uncounterable and it and it really was like kind of like hard focused into beating the top decks and really struggled with a lot of the rogue strategies, but it was there. And I certainly lost to it a number of times in tournaments. Whimsicott is one of those same type of counter strategies that it just feels like people aren't, you know, they, they, they don't want to talk about it (laughs) like as being a threat. Like, because if you talk about it, then, you know, and you're playing like a Mew deck, for instance, Right. If you're like, oh, I really want to play Mew, like you're hoping that you're not running into Wimscott's every round in Indianapolis. So Wimscott is in, it's it's in an interesting spot in the metagame right now. And um 
yeah, it after Frank took it to kind of that second place finish at EUIC, it's a deck to to watch out for, and I think the list can certainly be improved. So I would look at, um, yeah, I would look at Whimsicott as being one of the more popular ones in these uh, tournaments this weekend. Yeah, I've heard it described Whimsicott deck as like the perfect deck if you don't know what to play heading into this tournament. Yeah, Finnegan Lynch did post that on Twitter, and, and I would I, definitely. I, I think they said that on the Uncoming Energy podcast as well, mm-hmm. and I. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to say the same thing. I agree with that. <laughs> like, if you if you don't have a lot of reps, you're not really sure what to take for this tournament, or you're just, like, not feeling confident in any particular pick, for the exact reasons that you described, JW, Whimsicott seems like a really solid option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of ways you can go wrong with the deck, though, and just oh, not... For sure quite knowing how to play it optimally. I mean, you know, there are just little micro decisions, you know, what you discard off the Biberel. Um, you have some slots to play with text and certain things. So, um, you know, it, it is one of those decks that it, it's not just a complete, um, you know, it, and especially when to use the V-Star power, I, I will say that as well, uh, knowing <laughs> which matchups to use it and, and, you know, not forgetting about the double turbo math and things like that. It's not a cakewalk by any means, but, um, you know, yeah, if if you are going... And you're, you know, maybe you're going last minute and you're trying to throw together a deck. You haven't really played that much. It's probably Whimsicott. That or Mew, you know, I I just don't see people picking up Urshifu and going, oh yeah, I can play this deck, you know, flawlessly to to great success. You know, that's the deck you need practice with. Whimsicott, not as much. I mean, if you're, if you haven't played a ton, you're debating between Whimsicott and Mew for the love, play Whimsicott. You'll, you'll get way more wins than At this point, if you haven't like put in your hours to Mew, I would just strictly not recommend it. Well, I don't know of the other top five decks, right? So we're saying I think Arceus is actually the easiest of the top decks besides Limsicott. Really? I think okay. Arceus is like super easy to play, to be honest. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I think people overrate it because Starbirth is like a cool ability that lets you pluck the two. But the two are almost always like, there's always one incredibly obvious card, and then <laughs> and the next one is kind of like, like it's whatever, whatever, want, yeah. whatever, whatever, <laughs> man. I'll take a second card. <laughs> That's yeah. like ninety percent of Starburst <laughs> is exactly that situation. And like, yeah, Inteleon is skill based, but Arceus plays you know pretty straightforward cards, right? You know, you compare yeah. compare your Inteleon grabs with an Arceus deck to an Urshifu deck. Yeah. Oh, no, for day. sure. Well, I'm saying like Urshfu for sure is probably the hardest of our top no, five. No, no. I'm, I'm saying if I had to rank difficulty, it'd be Ursh, then Mew, then Malamar, uh-huh. then Arceus, then Wimscott. <laughs> I, I think people way overrate how hard Arceus is to play. Not to slam on Arceus players. <laughs> I like like Arceus too. The point is, Wimscott's a, a solid choice heading into this metagame. It's a good like counter deck. Its biggest enemy is honestly itself. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can you can brick. Um, you know, you're not playing the the consistency that some of these other decks are. Obviously, Mew has the Genesect package, super consistent. Um, Arceus is gonna play their Intelli online, again, super consistent. You pluck out anything and then you get your your star birth for the turn. Um Urshifu, you know, you can say that it, you know, has some weak hands, but you have this one prize strategy where uh, you know, you're have the Intellion, obviously. Um, you know, you're setting up your bench with the keep calling. That's pretty consistent. You can go in with the Snorlax, like that's pretty consistent as well. Um, 
And then Malmar is just kind of similar idea with the Italian line. You're picking out whatever you want, but Wimscott, you're really, you're really, and I was talking about this a couple days ago in testing when we were looking at all these decks, it's like with Wimscott, you're very much beholden to your opening hand. And if your opening hand is horrible, you're, you know, you're, you're, you really don't have too much hope of getting back into the game, like recovering from that, because there's not a great chance that your opponent's going to Marnie you, right? <laughs> Think of the decks that we're talking about right now that play Marnie, like Arceus might play a couple, but other than that, Mew's not playing Marnie for the most part. Urshfu's not playing Marnie. Malamar's definitely not playing Marnie. <laughs> so, you know, the, you you're stuck Marnie with your hand. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with your hand with Wimscott. So yeah, that's kind of my warning. You know, it's like, we should also talk about maybe why you shouldn't play some of these decks. Um, Wimscott, you know, you, you really shouldn't play this deck. Uh, you know, if you're not playing a list that you feel is consistently getting something going on first on the first turn of the game. Yeah. And I, I think above all else, the most important thing for a Wimscott strategy is consistently executing it. You don't need a lot of tricks. You don't need a bag a bag of crazy stuff that you can pull off. You see to do the same thing every game and hope that's enough. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be tough, right? Because there's a lot of things with Wimscott that you just cannot overcome, right? Because I don't want to harp like too much on this because people that, you know, have been testing Wimscott or like have seen anybody play Wimscott, like kind of know where this is going. But there's, um, you know, there's a lot of the like the rogue strategies, the lower tables, I would imagine, like are just going to be harder for Wimscott. Yeah, when it's going to be really hard. Gonna yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to overcome the like oh one start as well <laughs> in the tournament. You know, you just have to hope that you hit the right pocket of players, the right meta decks. And that's always going to be the issue with the counter decks is that if you don't hit the meta decks, it's going to be a really, really rough day because there's not a lot about Wimscott. You got the one turn that you could maybe take a one hit KO. But for the most part, you might not even be, you know, two hit KOing VMAXs, right? And there's no energy acceleration for the most part in the deck, um, unless you're playing a Raihan or two. Yeah, it it just it can get ugly. It's a great counter deck for the top, but anything outside of that is really difficult. Absolutely. So let's take a look then at some of those top decks that Wim Scott's looking to counter. And starting with our number three deck by popularity heading into this tournament, it's going to be the Urshifu Dark deck. Uh, Urshifu has gotten a lot of attention in the weeks post-EUIC. Hopefully the reasoning is obvious, given Gustavo's win and the insane prevalence of Urshifu in the top eight of this tournament. I mean, Urshifu, obviously a phenomenal choice for EUIC, just a really flexible powerful strategy you know you can lean into that one prize angle you can lean into rapid flow and people have been really trying to figure out how do i beat urshifu you know the target has shifted in a way to urshifu off of i wouldn't say completely off of mew you know as the most hated deck but it's the deck that people are trying to to deal with uh, because they found that you have to think for it in a way that maybe you didn't previously um there's also some debate about how you play Urshifu. Of course, everyone's 60 for Ursh feels like a little <laughs> bit different. But, you know, even at the macro level, like, do you play the quick shooting Yoga Loop package? Do you play Moltres V? Do you play multiple baby Moltres? Do you play one? Um, there's so many, like, micro decisions that are going on and macro decisions when coming to building this Urshifu list that 
people still don't seem to have completely clear answers to, even in the wake of Gustavo's win. Yeah, that's totally true. There's a lot of ways you can play the deck, and that's kind of uh, frustrating, you know, <laughs> because you're trying to figure out, well, what what do I think is the best, and then what are the texts that I think are going to fit in with what the projected metagame is going to be, and there's just a lot to consider when you're choosing the last, you know, two, three cards in the Urshfu deck. So really strong deck overall. Again, it would be my choice. If I had to choose right this second, things can obviously change. But Urshfu has the answers to everything, and you can certainly build it to have a little bit better answers in certain matchups. Yeah, so to kind of flip the script, and I, I also really like the Urshifu deck. It's one of my favorites to play right now because you have so much flexibility in your options. But reasons you might not play it is... Urshifu can sometimes stumble in certain matchups if it doesn't have a good core opening. You know, if you're not able to get multiple Sobbles down or or any, or you start the wrong two-prizer, can randomly lose you games. Uh, and that can sometimes be frustrating. Another potential weakness of the Urshifu deck is Marnies, especially repeated Marnies. Mm-hmm. It puts you in a very difficult position the Urshifu deck really relies on building up resources over the course of the game. And certainly it can come back from a Marnie. It can even come back from multiple. But you will definitely, if you're getting Marnied multiple times per game, you will have games that you lose because you just can't do anything meaningful with the four cards you have. It's a very combo-heavy deck. Um, so, now granted, a lot of the decks that we're talking about today don't play High Counts of Marnie. But, you know, it's something that they could consider kind of including as a way to deal with you as well. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, Mew could certainly throw in a Marnie. I mean, we're talking about repeated Marnies, right, as being kind of the biggest counter, like on the three and the two prize turn um, for for the Urshfu player. Like, you know, you want to get those Marnies in, in that part of the game. So Mew could play a Marnie. That might be, you know enough potentially um obviously arcus and Telion can play upwards of four marnies if they're playing two in their base list and then a pal pad um uh, wimscott is going to play like three marnie um so that would be kind of your decks that would look to uh, gain that advantage on urshfu um another advantage that can be gained on urshfu um I lost my train of thought where I was going with that. I was going to say like another <laughs> Manaphy, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah, there there it is. So, <laughs> another another thing I was going to say about Urshfu is like the the Manaphy presence um in in Arceus and Talion, right? Is like playing Manaphy, maybe even Dunsparce, maybe even both, maybe even a Hoopavy um to try to counter these Urshfu decks. Um, and so you're going to lose a lot of the versatility of the Gmax Rapid Flow that was present in prior uh tournaments because people weren't really considering Urshfu as being a deck to really watch out for. And so your, your GMAX rapid flows are a lot less potent. Um, I would say as a result, I would potentially look at, you know, finding other attackers. Like certainly you want to play the two Galarian Moltres. Certainly you want to play, I, in my opinion, the Galarian Moltres V just to have more attacking options uh, because you're not really in the current landscape able to consistently gmax rapid flow like you might have you know a week two three weeks ago i will say if you're worried about manaphy the the baby hoopa is a good answer to like quickly knock it out in the early stages of the game Um, yeah absolutely true 
um, you know, you need to get the the boss when you need it. Uh, you know, in those early stages. Uh, if but... only you played a card that could find a trainer <laughs> on demand. Couldn't be me. <laughs> so let's talk then about number two, ascending to to the titans of the metagame here. Number two. Coming in at number two, by most played, by popularity, will be Mew VMAX. Mew VMAX has kind of lost its place at the top of the of the metagame, but you know, it just has so many like things going against it. That said, it's still <laughs> it still like, persists. Yeah. Objectively, like the best, like the best deck, just just as a whole, right? There's so many things going against it um that you know kind of kind of drop it down but like mew is the type of deck that can overcome it all to win the whole thing like it's not going to be surprising if we see a mew two three in top eight of indianapolis it's just that good and you know you have to respect it yeah mew is just it's a deck that you're never surprised to see do well especially with folks who have put in the hours and have practiced mew a lot and have found the ways to kind of route those those matchups that maybe people haven't really considered as as in depth or can't execute as consistently because they aren't you know sequencing in exactly the right ways mew is a really really strong deck and definitely in a vacuum i would say it is the strongest deck in the format mm-hmm. you know if you exclude its hatred directed towards it in the meta and really like the meta has kind of centralized itself still around Mew despite it not being the most popular deck because as soon as the meta shifts away from Mew it will win everything. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, if we don't see Arceus with Dark anymore, if we don't see Baby Moltres in decks anymore, Mew will just win every event. <laughs> right. And so it has to be kept in check and even with all of that, it is still the number 2 deck by popularity. It is still a metagame force, consistently making top cut at events, and we expect that to continue into indie. Um, there's debates around now energy counts and item counts. Like people have gotten more and more creative with kind of their lists. Felt like we got really centralized on the Natalie Miller list for a while. Now people are branching out to like how many basic psychic do I play instead of double turbo? Do I play mm-hmm. bog crystals? Do I play training court? What stadium is the best? Uh, so there's definitely like a fair amount of versatility in what the Mew decks look like. Um, my question for you, JW, is we've heard so many times now about the legendary tournament where, quote-unquote, the good players play Mew. It, <laughs> is Indianapolis that tournament? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we were we were talking about this exact topic with the boys, and and Andrew's like, this is the tournament, man. It's finally going to happen. All of the good players are going to play. I feel like I've heard that every best. tournament. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, I, you know, if we're going by personal kind of thoughts is like, I don't think it will be overwhelmingly in favor of Mew, but I do kind of feel the weight of the counters shifting away from Mew and more toward urshifu so i feel like if there was ever a tournament to play mew at it would be this one like of the last you know month of tournaments like this is probably the best poised in my opinion that mew has been just because urshifu is on the rise that's a 
you know, that's a, that's a, that's a workable matchup. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the counters that people are playing or especially like we talk about Arceus uh, that people are making with the Arceus decks are geared more toward countering Urshifu and less toward Mew. So seems, I mean, it seems good to me. Do I think the best players will play it? I mean, it's just impossible to know, you know, honestly. Um, right. If know, I can I do it, we'll... all the best players will play it every tournament. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That'd be insane. Yeah. I'd, I'd be so cracked. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the only the only uh, the only people I'll know who, whose decks are playing before the tournament is is, is the core core homies. So, um, you know, are we looking at Mew? No, I don't think so. After I'm the performance, sure I'm that, the only person who would even consider it. <laughs> right a- after the performance at UIC. Well yeah, after the performance at UIC with the with the group, um, Mew is kind of off our table. But again, that doesn't mean that it's a bad play. It's just, and I think it's probably in its best position to do well. The X factor from you, why you maybe wouldn't want to play it, is the Wimsicott deck. I don't know if you feel the same, but you know, if if Wimscott shows up, you know, in like kind of number four, uh, uh, you know, quantity numbers, you know, talking like maybe ten uh, percent of the field or something, that might be very hostile towards Mew, but if Wimscott doesn't show up like that, or if it like, you know, a lot of the players that are playing Wimscott lose early because they're playing all the Bolton decks, all the, all the, you know, Cherum Reggie Drago decks. <laughs> that would be so funny. Then yeah. Mew, I mean, it just, it's just so good. It's just the best deck consistency wise that has possibly ever existed. Yeah. I, I don't know if Wimscott by itself is really the X factor. That's kind of knocking Mew down. Uh, and like if you really feel that way you can play like basic psych energy and fog crystal and training court to kind of deal with that mm-hmm. you know even just one with a, with a couple training court sure could be enough with a combination with at least a sparkle the uh but i think it's the combination of whimsicott like growing in so to speak as one of the most popular decks you know with the annoying dark stuff that is in arceus with the you can st- Continued like enhancement of these Urshifu decks, and they're finding better and better routes to deal with Mew, um, and the decrease of things like Malamar, where you had really good matchups. The decrease of these um, less effective Arceus decks, where you had good matchups. I think that's where Mew is going to, to suffer the most. Is the combination of Whimsicott Rising with some of its more straightforward matchups falling down. Mm. Although you could also make the argument that Gengar is kind of out of the picture, so <laughs> so true, absolutely. <laughs> good, I guess yeah, that's really good. Single strike, yeah, it's kind of. I, I would not expect to see any single strike or any <laughs> Gengar decks do well at all this weekend. So let's talk then about the number one deck by popularity. You already know what it is, and it's going to be Arceus. We're kind of grouping them all together. I would say Arceus and Teleon is really, and you know maybe with other Pokemon paired with it, but Arceus and Teleon has emerged for sure as the premier Arceus variant, and people are all over it still. Uh, the real question is, how do you deal with Urshifu? Because clearly, in UIC, there was not sufficient answers to Ur- Urshifu. Right? They mm-hmm. the Arceus all fell by the wayside. That none of them made top eight outside of its appearance in a Sylveon deck. Um, so 
I still think Arceus Dark personally will be the most popular variant. And so then it becomes, you know, do you play Manaphy or Dunsparce? Do you play both? Do you play Hoopa V? Uh, do you play all three? <laughs> you know, how do you deal with your Shifu matchup in a consistent way that they can't just weasel their way out of? Right. Um, and that's a question that's going to be hanging over every Arceus player's heads. And I imagine we'll see a lot of different answers to that question. How so? Like, give me, give me some. So, like, some I, I don't things think we're thinking about. I don't think there'll be a lot of craziness, right? But I think some people will be like, "Yeah, you just play the Manaphy. You protect your Inteleon and your Hoopa on the bench." Or mm. no, if you just play a Hoopa, it doesn't none of it matters. Like, you're fine. <laughs> uh, or you, you know, the Dunsp- you gotta have the Dunsparce because you protect your Arceus, and it doesn't matter if they Rapid Flow or your other stuff because your Arceus lived that turn, and you go in with Hoopa. Like, I imagine there's going to be a lot of people who are in those different camps. Of thought. Mm-hmm. And you see how easy it is to like spin up a logic process for all three of those camps. Um, personally, from my perspective, I think you kind of need multiple of those answers to really feel comfortable versus Urshifu. Um, particularly if you only play the Dunsparce, that is not enough. And EUIC mm-hmm. has proven that, I think, pretty definitively. Um, so the question is, do you play Dunsparce and Hoopa, and is that enough? Do you play Dunsparce and Manaphy, is that enough? And where do you land on that spectrum? Right. Um, of course, there are other Arceus variants. I actually think Arceus Inteleon, like a pure water version that has Melanie, is pretty good in the metagame right now. Uh, it's also like probably the most favored Arceus variant against the newcomer in Whimsicott. However, it probably has the worst matchup against Urshifu of the Arceus variants. Sure. Um, so just a lot of considerations for the Arceus players, and I have a strong feeling that people who have been playing a lot of Arceus, even if they feel like it's not the best, best metagame, will still play a lot of Arceus. Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, that is certainly like, um, again, another deck, I kind of talked about it like with uh, with Duraludon, right? Is like, you're playing the Arceus deck because you really like how it, how it plays. You feel like you are in every game, which is... Uh, can be kind of cruel at times because when you feel like you can play every game, you feel like your winning percentage is sometimes higher than it is. Not saying that, you know, Arceus has a low winning percentage because it is the most popular deck for very good reason because it does, you know, win a high number of games. But, um, you know, just the fact that you are in every game, you know, um, can, can kind of skew at least my mindset where it's like, oh, I feel like I can win this game or I only lost because I missed... You know, that one crucial yeah. turn or that one crucial card, like it'll be better next time. Um, but yeah, like you said, a lot of the players that are looking at Arceus, they're going to play Arceus. They're going to be fine playing Arceus. They're going to have a lot of fun playing Arceus. They're going to do well playing Arceus for the most part. And, uh, uh, you know, it's certainly one of those decks that um, that uh, is is going to be, I think, the most played. Just you look at all the yeah. variants, add them all together. It will be the force in Indy. That's a good point as well. I would definitely out the tag team pro tip that if you're playing arceus please for the love learn when to scoop you're going to tie so many games if you play them all to the nitty-gritty end with arceus yes <laughs> and it's so tough because with a deck like that i know you just you're never out of it until they take their last prize like there's always a route yeah mm-hmm. what i what i always and zoric players myself mm-hmm. included would fall into this trap what i would recommend you know, adjusting your mindset to is instead of thinking of the 30%, 15% chance that you have to win this game, even 40%, you know, maybe you're just slightly unfavored to win this game. 
instead of thinking about that, pick the going first or second option that's best for your deck. And if your win percentage is at all higher in that game, just play that game instead, instead of right. tying. <laughs> right, right. And that's obviously like we're coming down to the last like 15 minutes or 20 minutes, right? Just enough time to squeak in that last game. You know, you got to be making these decisions and you got to know, got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Yes. Know when to walk away, know when to run. So, so true. <laughs> so that's our, our top five in the metagame. I guess, JW, if you had to demerit Arceus, what would you say? uh demeriting arceus um i I think just the the pizzazz factor i mean the lists are all very much known quantities i don't know where you can really innovate that much with the arceus deck so it's just very much a known quantity if you're playing the dark arceus it's a known quantity if you're playing you know straight arceus like it's a known quantity so it's just missing we've talked about this on the on the talk about this on the cast before too it's just like not a lot of not a lot of pizzazz you're not really going to be able to innovate too much and that's totally fine not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that but um you know you sit across from an opponent they pretty much know what's going to occur in those games i would agree so so So, before we jump into our own personal picks jw why don't you hit us with a card of the day yeah absolutely riley did you know that one of the first supporters could draw your deck out completely. Uh, maybe. <laughs> did, did you know more. this? Yeah, it. You could. You could draw your entire deck by playing one supporter. Oh. It was never banned, and you'll understand did it, why. Like draw you until you hit a certain type of card. No, no, no. It, it, that that would have been pretty cool though. But <laughs> it was. Uh, it is called uh, the, the, this this supporter called Mary's Impulse. It says, flip a coin until you get tails. For each heads, draw two cards. <laughs> oh, that's so sick. <laughs> so in theory... You don't even have control. You... you can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I, yeah, it could get really dangerous, right? <laughs> like, please get me off the ride. But uh, in theory, you could play the supporter and draw your entire deck, which in some cases is uh, is definitely a benefit and in uh, in other cases probably a, a detriment to your chance of winning <laughs> that's but that's so my card stiff. of the day mary's impulse i feel like not a lot of people know about it because obviously with these with these cards that you know the continuous tumble cards i like to call them right you, you see these on like pikachus and and geodudes or whatever where it's like oh flip a coin until you get tails and you know it does you know 20 times the number of heads and you're like oh my gosh that's incredible like i'm gonna use this all the time like i can i can knock out anything and then you dig a little bit deeper at the probabilities and uh you know it, it often um does not go your way it very like quickly 1. 5 flips or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so mary's impulse very interesting card e-reader card infinite draw potentially <laughs> <That's so sick. laughs> awesome well let's take a quick breather and give a shout out to our sponsor thank you so much to manscaped for being a presenting sponsor for tag team tag team is presented by manscaped if you were not aware and manscaped has some awesome stuff in the pipeline for you folks I'm going to say it every single time we're leading up to a big tournament. Hygiene 
matters at these things. And there's no better way to take care of yourself than Manscaped. So listen here. Listeners, are you ready to be blown away? (laughs) Thank you, JW. You asked for it and they listened. And over at Manscaped, we just relaunched the ultra smooth package. Your fast and favorite lawnmower 4.0 is going to be joined by the crop exfoliator, some crop gel, and the crop shaver to get you buffed, protected, and shaved in your most sensitive areas outside of the play field. And here at Tag Team, we're so excited to be able to give you an opportunity to crop your bushes and get right to the roots of your problems with our discount code. JW, why don't you tell them about our discount code with Manscaped? Absolutely. Code tag team on the Manscaped website. 20% off plus free shipping. Really an incredible deal. I always love going on sites that offer free shipping because then I know that the price that the item is, is the price that I'm going to pay at checkout. So code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. We're so excited to be re-upping with Manscaped here uh, as a, as a presenting partner of the cast. They have been just incredible to us as the uh as we've gone about our partnership so we can't thank them enough guys get their stuff riley's talked about the underwear i love their ear and nose hair trimmer because i'm a guy that gets really long hair in the in the nose man it's just i can't help it in the in the ears man it just happens so make sure you're prepared make sure you're ready to go at your next tournament with manscaped that's 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code tag team 20% off plus free shipping. Don't be looking like a probopass or smelling like a scun tank. Use Manscaped products to show up nice and clean at your next Pokemon tournament. All right, JW. The faded moment is here. What are our top picks for ourselves heading into the Indianapolis Regional Championship? Great question. Off. Great question. You ask you ask many great questions on the, this cast, and, <laughs> and you respond that they're great questions. <laughs> That's right. Well, With I got I got efficiency. <laughs> I got to hype up the homie, right? Yeah, I can't sure. be like, well, that actually that sucked. That was just really. Bad yeah, really, question. really weak question. Yeah, back, <laughs> back to the lab with your questions. <laughs> if I had to choose a deck, I said this earlier on the cast, it'd be Urshfu. Urshfu to me represents a lot of what's great about Pokemon in that you are playing all these one ofs, you know, most games are going to be decided by, you know, using all of your resources or playing the one tech card at the right time, pulling some strategy out of nowhere that your (laughs) opponent had no idea was coming. And I just really like that. And like, you know, the epic plays or it's like drawing the last card out of your deck, slamming it down because you needed that last energy or you needed that last supporter, getting the whole combo together. It's just like, it's really fun to play decks like these um, when when it goes well, right? Absolutely. It's very miserable on the other side of things. But when it goes well, it's like, there's nothing better. I just, I like when I think about Pokemon, I think about decks like these. Where it's like has answers to everything, um, uh, you know. Again, it's 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 you know you can go many different strategies, right? Like we talk about the the multi prize strategy going in with the Urshfu V Max. 
and like rapid flowing. That's really cool. If you can pull that off. It's also really cool to just kind of sack a bunch of prizes. Maybe you go in with a Galarian Moltres V and then you try to get, you know, three consecutive Galarian Moltres down at the end of the game. Like that's also really fun. That's also really cool. So I just love a deck like that. That would be my top choice heading into uh, the tournament this weekend. And what was your first backup be if, if things went wrong? Yeah, absolutely. First backup is, is Whimsicott. Yeah, I think uh, Whimsicott is one of those decks that um, I would feel very comfortable sleeving up. It's not for everybody, I will say that, but I would feel very comfortable sleeving up Whimsicott and, uh, and taking, it, taking it to Indianapolis. We've done some testing with that a lot. We've done a lot of testing with Arceus. I would probably put Arceus as my number three. Yeah. And um, we've done a lot of testing with Urshifu. So those have to be my top three right now. Yeah, I would honestly echo a lot of that sentiment. I really like the Urshifu deck right now. I feel really confident uh, when I'm in the driver's seat with that deck. And then I have a lot of control over the way that my games are playing out. Um, I just feel so fun to play, you know, having those crazy strategies that you're compiling over the course of the game you feel really smart <laughs> when you, oh super smart when you get these like interesting routes that you know only i could think of this because <laughs> i'm a genius <laughs> type moments when in uh, reality it's it's kind of all the same like right like you're not always but yeah not, no 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 not always but it's like oh you know okay Raihan's really good here like <laughs> Ryan was or claire from Ultrace is for definitely sure. play here you know for sure um and so it's really cool. It's just a really cool deck. It's got a bear in it. Uh, JW and I both have been really big <laughs> fans of Rapid Strike Urshifu since Battle Styles came out. Uh, so it shouldn't be a massive surprise that either of us are really into the deck. Uh, we've just kind of been kind of waiting for the breakthrough moment to give us an excuse to sleep it up. Honestly, it feels like. Well, um, you were kind of talking like you maybe were were thinking about it for EUIC. Kind of in retrospect, you wish you had pulled the trigger there. Oh yeah, I mean, Urshifu was probably the deck I played the most over the in the weeks leading up to EUIC because uh, I had some I had so many games with Urshifu even before Liverpool had had finished because I had also built an Urshifu deck that weekend. <laughs> um. So, yeah, obviously I do wish I had played Urshifu for EUIC. I would have had phenomenally good matchups <laughs> with with my day. But, um, yeah, it's it's a deck I've been playing a lot for a long time. Um, Urshifu is a card I've been using for a long time, very consistently. You know, when we think of, like, Players' Cup 3, even, that was the deck that I played to get all of my qualification points. <laughs> cool. Um, so, really love Urshifu. My backup pick would would also likely be Whimsicott. I honestly don't feel like I'd be playing an Arceus variant at this event unless I found one that really impressed me. I would fall back to Mew before Arceus, most likely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think like the the reason I would maybe choose Whimsicott is if I felt the metagame was lining up in a certain way. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't know if you feel similar. Like, wh what would be your reasoning to play Whimsicott over playing urshifu because i i just feel like um yeah with urshifu yeah i can i can counter everything i can play matches against pretty much anything got all these strategies that i feel like really allow me to outplay my opponent um in a lot of ways i can't really do that the same way with Winscott, right you're you're kind of just hoping for the matchup more so than being able to outplay your opponent so what would make you play Winscott, or what would make you play mew uh if you aren't going to go with urshifu for this weekend 
Yeah, they'd be for kind of similar reasons if I felt like the meta was just too hostile to Urshifu in a way that Urshifu couldn't deal with. I would probably swap off of it. I don't know what exactly that meta would look like, but certainly if I felt that way, I would probably panic swap off Urshifu. Um, and, you know, amongst the two, I'd play Whimsicott if it was, like, you know, more Arceus, dark, heavy meta game that I was heading into, and I would play Mew if it's, like, oh, people are breaking out, like, the Sylveons and stuff. Or the Suicunes. Um, yeah, or the Suicunes. And I just want yeah. to run through those. Yeah, yeah. So it's fair. And you know, Amuse is another deck that I feel like I've gotten the reps in at this point. I feel pretty good about how I would pilot that deck as well. That's great. I I think um, we can look back at this. You know, last couple of weeks certainly for you is like you know you've put in the time. You know what you're getting into. You know the decks inside and out. Uh, you know, I really feel if anyone in the group, Riley, you're probably the one poised to do the best this weekend. Well, this, this format's volatile, too. And you know what? If you take a whims and you flip enough heads, you know, maybe it's in the cards for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer, you know? like Just, Hammer. <laughs> just let them rip. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that is another great equalizer. The great Whimscott equalizer. In the, in the crushing hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so let them rip, buddy. <laughs> absolutely. What, absolutely. I love a good. I love a good crushing hammer. We've been uh, we've been talking I hate about a good crushing hammer, man. I, I cut them from Wacky Smacky for the Harleys. Mmm, <laughs> true. Yes, yeah, I do remember so. that. Yeah, the Harleys, the Acro bikes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we've been talking about you know if we were to play one Scott, like what the lexicon would be. Uh, we've come up with this <laughs> this um, Mario adjacent like kind of dialect, as it were. <laughs> so, before you play a Marnie, you say. Let's go. <laughs> and then and then you can like kind of rotate through when you play hammer, you go or 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 like what what are some of the other ones, Riley? Well, of course there's hammer. <laughs> yeah, hammer. <laughs> so awesome. Or uh I've, for context, <laughs> because this probably makes no sense to anybody. Um <laughs> ever since I was a kid. You know, when I played Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga for the Game Boy Advance, there's like one voice line where Mario says, Hammer! <laughs> and he says it like exactly like that. And it's been stuck in my brain. Whenever I like hear or see the word hammer, like that plays in my brain for, you know, almost two decades now <laughs> since that game came out. And I was trying, I was like making that sound or like saying hammer in that way as we were testing the other day and nobody understood what was going on i hadn't played that specific game yeah and i guess nobody had played the game so they didn't really get it uh and even if they did it's like still a very niche reference so so i i pulled up the clip we listened to a bunch of aria sounds and now we agree that like that's how you should talk when you play pokemon at the very least when you play pokemon a pokemon deck that has hammers in it yes because you got to be able to slip in the hammer voice line so if you if you hear an echoing of people saying hammer like Mario, that's that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So we're going to be obviously at Indy. Um, so if you are as well, please make sure to say, hey, um, uh, you know, introduce yourself to us. We'd love to meet more fans of the cast. And this is going to be my first, you know, big tournament 
since 2019. So I'm yeah. really excited to meet all you guys. Yeah, absolutely. You all are so, so awesome. Like seriously, um, all the folks who, who've reached out at events that I've been to, uh, particularly like the folks I got to see at EUIC, you all were so pleasant, so fun to talk to and your support is what keeps us going. So definitely feel free to stop by and say, Hey, GW are happy. GW and I are happy to, to have a conversation. It's like a podcast, but in real life, man, it's crazy. Hey, that's so insane. A conversation. <laughs> You're kidding me. So please say hi. Uh, we're excited to meet you. And thank you all so much for your continued support, whether or not you'll be in Indy. We appreciate every single one of you out there who listens to the cast. You all are what makes this possible. And if you want to leave feedback about how we're doing, you can do that by by leaving a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms that gives us a forum to know how we're doing and where we can improve and helps us out in the algorithms if you care about any of that stuff as well. Helps us grow and continue to do this stuff at the highest level that we can. Absolutely. So we have a couple of socials that we want to shout out right now. You can find the cast over at Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. You can find Riley at Smiles with Riles and myself over at Real John Walter. We also stream every single Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash Munner. And I run a Twitch channel myself, twitch.tv slash Flex Daddy Righteous. I think that's going to bring us to an end for today and thank you all so much for your support and we will catch you all next time peace see ya